Luke chapter 1 and verse 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am old, an old man and my wife well stricken in years. Here's how you'll know it, because an angel has just told you. Hello. Whereby shall I know this? You need another sign? You've got Gabriel standing there. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. I can interpret that in modern day vernacular. Here's your sign. Verse 20. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed. Because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. It's interesting that. John the Baptist, which we call him today, it's just referred to as John here, but he was born from his mother's womb with the Holy Ghost. Nobody else in the Bible that says that about. We understand a lot about what it means to be born in the natural. We were all born in the flesh or we wouldn't be here today. But I want to talk to you today about the birth of the Spirit, the birth of of the Spirit. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're thankful for your presence. Thankful for the joy of the Lord that is our strength. We ask you, God, that you would anoint our hearts and minds to receive your word and anoint these lips to speak your word without fear or favor. We'll give you praise for all things. And all of God's people said in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. This is obviously the time of the year where we talk a lot about the birth of Jesus, and we're going to be talking more about that next week. But, you know, six months before Jesus was born, John was born. We know that Elizabeth, John's mother, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were cousins, and they had a very close relationship. And the angel declared in both of these settings um, that Elizabeth and Zacharias would have a son, and his name would be John. And uh, Mary would have a, a son, and his name will be called Jesus. And so there was this precursor, this forerunner, as it were, the ministry of John. What's interesting about the ministry of John is that John had a specific mission. It was to prepare the way for Christ, and really, he is a type of the New Testament church. Our job is to prepare the way. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to return and he's going to split that eastern sky. And the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. How many of you want to be with that group that says we which are alive and remain? Not worried about getting old. I'm holding out until the rapture. Amen. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. But until that time, we as the church are a type of John who is to declare the word without fear, which is really the ministry of John. He was a voice crying in the wilderness. And he declared that there was coming this lamb slain from the foundation of the world who would take away the sins of all of humanity. And so this John was born in a very miraculous way. Not the same as the way Jesus was born, but he was born to Zacharias and Elizabeth, and it was 
a miracle situation in that they were not able to have children. In fact, Zacharias couldn't even believe it. He said, I'm old, my wife's old, we're not sure how this is all going to happen. Well, a lot of things don't make sense. That's why this is called a walk of faith. But when the angel came, the angel didn't come with a ballot for everybody to vote on it. The, the angel came with a declaration. And the declaration was, this is going to happen and his name shall be called John. When John is born, the Bible said he's going to be born from his mother's womb, filled with the Holy Ghost. So he was born of the flesh and of the spirit at the same time. What's interesting is that you can't read about John without being reminded of the book of John chapter 3 when Nicodemus came to Jesus. He was a man who was well thought of. He was a leader in the Jewish community. He was a a Pharisee. He was uh, a respected man in I don't know if he came on his own accord or if he represented maybe a group of Pharisees that were in a dilemma because they knew that the works that Jesus did were miraculous. But they also had problems with believing that Jesus was the Messiah. They thought he was born in Nazareth. They knew the Old Testament that he would be born in Bethlehem. Maybe they didn't know all the story, but they had a hard time believing anything good could come out of Nazareth. And then he challenged the temple and the practices of uh, the priesthood. And so there was this dilemma, and maybe Nicodemus represented himself, maybe represented more, but he came to Jesus by night, John chapter 3 says. And he says, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Now, it's important to recognize there's a big difference between Jesus coming from God and Jesus being God. A lot of people can say, well, Jesus was a good man and the Bible's full of good moral stories. And that's a big difference than saying he must be born again. That the word of God is without error and that one day we will be judged for our actions and our decisions. He came acknowledging that we know you do good works and we know you're a good teacher because nobody could do these miracles except God be with him. (laughs) with him we have a lot of people in this world that believe that God is with him without believing that Jesus is him the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in Jesus bodily he's not Jehovah Junior he's not one third God he's God manifest in the flesh Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus, of course, still thinking of this in a natural sense. How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. We understand how that works. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's the part I want to focus on today. Does the Spirit give birth? What is that process? Being born again is simply a statement that means that we allow the Spirit to give birth in our life. And the Scripture is accurate. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. There has to be a spiritual environment for the Spirit to be born in our hearts and just as we understand that the flesh is birthed in a a three-step process so is the spirit this three-step process is found in luke chapter one that we read in our text before jesus was ever born the old testament prophets were declaring his name shall be wonderful counselor the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Those Old Testament prophets were declaring who Jesus would be. He's going to be the everlasting Father. A lot of times in Scripture, we refer to Jesus as the Son of God or the Son of Man. But He was not just the Son, He was also 
the everlasting Father, the wonderful Counselor. He was that mighty God. And that name Jesus was given to Mary before she even knew she was pregnant. If you look at Luke chapter 1, verse 31, it says, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Before Elizabeth was even pregnant with John the Baptist, the angel Gabriel was declaring to Zacharias, His name shall be called John. The first step to understanding how the Spirit is birthed is understanding that there has to be the declaration of the name. When Gabriel came and declared the name of John to Zacharias, and the same angel Gabriel came and declared the name of Jesus to Mary, there wasn't any kind of a vote. There wasn't any kind of a consensus. It wasn't popular opinion. It wasn't get the family together and vote on your favorite name. It was here is the name. We live in this ecumenical world that wants to say that Jesus is one of many ways to get to heaven. You believe what you want to believe. I believe what I believe. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all human beings. We're all going to get to heaven. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible is very exclusive. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one door, and one name. And the name is Jesus. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. The apostles said, there's no other name under heaven. Bible doesn't say anything about Allah or Muhammad or Buddha or any other God you want to come up with. Those are man-made gods. The Bible declares there's one God. I said there's one God. And his name is Jesus. And i got to do more than just believe in that. I've got to declare the name of Jesus. Zacharias got in trouble because he couldn't believe it. If you can't believe it, you can't declare it. But once you believe it, you need to declare it. I grew up in a house where we declared the name of Jesus. We declared it in the morning. We declared it in the evening. My parents declared it when we were in traffic. <laughs> Screech of tires, the light turns red and some complying through. Jesus! Somehow there was a swerve and everything was okay and we survived. I grew up in a home they believed in the protection and the power of the name of Jesus. Oh, I wish you could see in the spirit world what happens when the name of Jesus is declared. I was telling the, the, the group that was here at 8.30, I said over, over the Thanksgiving holidays, I went to one of these National Geographic Aquarium places where they, they had all these pictures of all these kind of fish they all swim in big packs and they're they're not real big fish and they're open to predators and all but they're very unbelievable the way they all swim together and create all these incredible designs and patterns and there's like a thousand of them and they're over here and they're over there and they're all swimming together and in unison and and they're big massive schools and they're almost all in formation until there's some kind of a threat that comes through and then it's just like, whoosh. they're all in unison, everything's marching together, and all of a sudden something dives in, and they all just scatter. I got to thinking that must be what happens when somebody says the name of Jesus. The devil's got all his generals, they're all marching in troops. If you could see in the spirit world, I wish God would open your eyes like he did that servant of Elisha. I wish you could see what happens in the spirit world. All the generals of hell marching together in unison. But when some little frail 98-year-old lady that may not even have the strength says, Jesus! You ought to say Jesus over your house. You ought to say it over your marriage. You ought to say it over your children. You ought to say it on your job. Jesus, at the name of Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah! 
Jesus. You just speak that name, you can feel the... Just say, just say it soft first. Just say, Jesus. And say it loud. Jesus. Can you feel that? Whoo! Salvation is based on the declaration of the name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. There's no other name under heaven. Preaching the gospel is based on the name of Jesus. After church Wednesday night, my daughter and I were driving around. She wanted to look at the lights of the houses in our neighborhood. and We were driving around and she decided that she didn't like certain lights. They didn't all match. And we were driving around the neighborhood and she was judging everybody's house. And then she doesn't like the little thing that spins, you know, and it throws all the little dots on the house. She said, that looks like the house has got mumps or the chicken pox or something. I don't like that. So I was trying to be positive, and I said, oh, look. Look how beautiful this house is. they got a beautiful manger scene. They must be Christians. She's like, Dad, just because they have a manger scene doesn't mean they're a Christian. I said, it doesn't? She's like, no, they could be Baptist or something. I'm like, well, Baptists are Christians. She's like, do they baptize in the name of Jesus? I said, I don't think all of them do. Then she said, they're not Christians. She's hardcore. I said, well, they love the name of Jesus. Different people, not just Pentecostals. She said, well, if they love the name of Jesus, they'll baptize in the name of Jesus. And they'll get the Holy Ghost. I'm excited. At least somebody's got a revelation, boy, that... Jesus' name. I'm, I'm thankful that we've got an understanding that the name of Jesus is, is not anything to run from. It's to be embraced. Because the preaching of the gospel is based on the declaration of the name. 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, and 6, Paul speaking back to the churches through his writing in Thessalonica said, For our gospel came not unto you in word only. This is not just rhetoric. This is not just some grand speech. These are not just words but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men ye were among a manner of, of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. Woo, hallelujah. Paul is saying, we came declaring to you Something that was powerful. I'm thankful that we can feel the power of God when we come into His presence. And the Word is declared. People say, well, if I just, what if I just think the name of Jesus? If you'll think it, you'll speak it. You ought to declare it in your house. You ought to declare it in your kid's bedroom. Go through every room in your house. Jesus. Declare it in your car. Declare it in your cubicle. Declare it in your classroom. Declare the name of Jesus. Speak it over your children when they're sick. Speak it over your marriage. Speak it over every crisis. Speak it over every day that you've got another 24 hours to praise Him. Start it out with a declaration. He is great and greatly to be praised. Oh, I feel like declaring there is no other name. There is no other way. There is no other God. It's all in Jesus. Acts 5 and verse 40 through 42. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. world don't want you to speak the name of Jesus. It's okay if you give out food to the community. It's okay if you got your hands for healing ministry going. It's okay if you're doing good things, helping out folks. But don't speak the name of Jesus. It's too divisive. It is divisive. It separates good from evil. 
It separates light from darkness. You got to be careful you don't get sucked up into this environment where we speak of God in all these generic terms as the force be with you and beyond the Milky Way and, and you know, the eye in the sky and all this other stuff. You ought to make up in your mind, I'm going to declare the name of Jesus. It's not a mystery to me who God is. It's not a mystery to me that he is my creator. And when I speak his name, there is a reaction in the spirit world. Plant the seed whenever you speak the name. So this bothered them. They beat him. They commanded him not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. That's the problem is to speak in it. It's too exclusive. I was with uh, my uh, partner at Liberty Council, Matt Staver, was arguing before the U.S. Supreme Court. And my wife and I was able to go and be a part of that. And uh, when he was given oral arguments, we had combined our case. We represent some counties in Kentucky that wanted to put up the Ten Commandments in the city hall. And they had combined our case with a case out of Texas that the state attorney general was arguing about Ten Commandments monuments that had been given to them in the 60s by the Fraternal Order of Eagles, and they had the Ten Commandments in a monument stone that was on the state grounds of Austin, Texas. And so they had combined our cases together. And both sides, we were making uh, our, our legal arguments about why the Ten Commandments should be allowed in uh, state-owned property and should be on display in it would not be a violation of separation of church and state. And the American Civil Liberties Union was, was arguing the other side. And at one point, whenever my partner Matt Staver was making the presentation, he was interrupted, as Supreme Court justices will do, by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And she said, Counselor, have you even read the first five commandments? He recognized this as a rhetorical question, so he waited for her to make her point. And she said this. She said, not only... Are they religious in nature? He was explaining that the Ten Commandments is, is also a moral document and a legal document and more than just a religious document. She said, if you read the first five commandments, counselor, you will know that they are not just religious in nature, but they suggest exclusive worship. Oh, there was so much disdain in her voice. I felt the hair on the back of my neck stand up. I felt my Holy Ghost had a radar just went off. The thing she had an issue with was the thing I wanted to rejoice over. And, and, and Matt pointed up to the top and he said, Well, you'll see, you'll see uh, Your Honor, that, that even up here in the Supreme Court building, there is the Ten Commandments. And she interrupted him again and she said, You'll notice that that's just ten Roman numerals. That's not necessarily the Ten Commandments. That many people believe is the Ten Amendments to our Constitution. And Matt didn't say this, but I was thinking this. And this is probably why they didn't let me do the argument. That doesn't explain why Moses is holding them. I mean, you try to argue against God's Word, you end up looking like an idiot. Okay, Moses is going to be holding the Ten Amendments to the U.S. Constitution. Are you kidding me? I told Matt afterwards, I had the Holy Ghost quicken me. Here's what you should have said to her when she said that. Then can you explain to me why Moses is holding the amendments to the U.S. Constitution? But he didn't. I thought about that afterwards. She's got a problem with exclusive. They suggest... I'd go so far to say they don't suggest, they command. It's not the Ten Suggestions. It's the Ten Commandments. They don't suggest exclusive worship. They command exclusive worship. I'm going to tell you what, humanity's going to have to get a rude awakening. You're not God, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There is a God, and his name is Jesus. And one day every knee is going to bow, and every tongue is going to confess. Oh, I feel like rejoicing. I'm thankful for the name of Jesus. You got a couple of minutes? And they departed from the presence of the council. Here's what I love. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy 
to suffer shame for his name. They were rejoicing that they were worthy to suffer shame for his name. I'm glad they call us Jesus only people. I'm thankful that I'm associated with the name of Jesus. You ought to be thankful too. Somebody said, are y'all the holy rollers? Yes, we're holy rollers. Y'all believe in Jesus only? We believe in Jesus everything. We're not worshiping a committee. We're not worshiping man's traditions. We got a revelation at the name of Jesus. We're thankful, even if it's shameful, even if it's in a derogatory manner. I'm glad that I'm associated with the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that we're worthy to be associated with your name. Jesus. Jesus. Mm. See, you just declare the name and you can feel his spirit. It's the first step to this birth of the spirit. Let me tell you this. I just feel like saying this. Let me tell you why people come to this church. It's not because of the lights up here. I'm not even sure what that thing over there is. Is it the children of Israel leaving Egypt? What are this? I don't know. It's lines. I was talking to a friend of mine at the Christmas banquet here last week. He said, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why my wife and I and our family come to this church. Why we won't go to another church. We feel like we're blessed because our blessing flows down from the leadership of your father and you. I don't, I don't say that. I don't say that for any self-serving purposes. Only that that's where he started the conversation. And then he said, and when we come into the house of God, we feel his presence. He said, you can have a bad day, you can have a bad week, but when you come into the house of God, when you come to First Pentecostal Church, you feel God. I said, let me tell you something. And the Bible says that his spirit is like the wind, comes and goes where it listeth. We don't have any kind of franchise right on that. God can pack up tomorrow and leave and we not feel his presence anymore. But let me give you a little hint. He's going to dwell where people are gathered in his name. Where two or three are gathered together in my name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. You know why? That's where their power came from. That's where the anointing came from. That's where the authority came. It came from the name. Jesus. I got to move quick. Luke 1, 39 through 44. So the first thing that had to happen was the name. And that happened. His name shall be called John. Well, I don't know about it. Okay, then you just keep quiet for nine months. But this is not open for discussion. Well, how shall we? Well, you'll believe. Same thing happened with Mary. His name shall be called Jesus. Now here's the next thing that happens. After Mary's had this visitation, remember now, Mary's conceived six months later from Elizabeth. So John was six months older than Jesus. So after she gets this visitation from the angel, she goes to see her cousin, Elizabeth. Verse 39, Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah. And entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Not like a military salute, saluted as an official greeting. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe, John, 
six months in the cooker. The babe leaped in the womb. When the babe just heard Mary's voice. Good God Almighty. A babe. Well, I don't understand all this. It don't matter. You're going to have a response in your soul. Even if you don't understand it all. If a baby who hasn't even been born yet leaps in the womb when he just hears the voice of Mary. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. This thing is contagious. There's a response. Mary just comes and greets her in, in, in the prophetic words. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? This is Elizabeth. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Here's the second stage to the birth of the Spirit. The first stage is the declaration of the name. The second stage is the response of the soul. You're made of flesh and bones and blood like, me, like all of us. But we also have a soul in us that has an eternal nature. It's going to live forever somewhere. It's got an eternal aspect of it because it comes from God. It's a soul. It's the seat of all of your emotions. It is the, the recorder of all of your thoughts and concepts and feelings. It is your soul. And even though you may not understand everything, when you hear the declaration of the name and the word of God is preached, there is a reaction. You either respond by receiving or by rejecting. But it forces a response of the soul. That's why sometimes when you can really feel God moving, you'll see people start to get up and head to the restroom and stuff. Ooh. I've got to move around a little. I'm feeling something rising up on the inside of you. You don't even realize. It's just, whoa, I don't, it's getting a little hot in there. i got to move around a little bit. When I was in high school, I invited my buddy Robert Goldsmith. His daddy owned Harbor City Oil. He was a good guy. I invited him to church. And I prayed everybody would behave in the service when I brought my buddy from high school. But one, one little lady, I think it was Sister Griffin. Sister Griffin was one of them old timers that she didn't care what anybody thought. She'd get up and testify. In the old days, we had testimony service. And she had a little crooked finger. I can remember as a boy here standing up and saying, I've walked with the Lord 87 years and he's never failed me one day. I mean, she was just on fire for God. And I remember Sister Griffin, I think it was Sister Griffin, but somewhere in the middle of the service, she got out in the aisle and said, Lord, send the ghost. When she did, my buddy shot out the back door. I said, what happened? He's like, man, I don't know. That place is spooky. <laughs> People calling on ghosts and stuff now. I said, that's the Holy Ghost. He goes, I don't know what ghost it is, but I don't know. I'm not ready for that. I said, come on, man. It's all right. He's like, that lady, man, she scared me. When the word of God goes forth and there's a declaration based on the identity of God, the soul responds. The seed has been planted in the heart. When the word finds good ground, there is a response. Something begins to take root. Something begins to live. There is a reaction. I've said this before, but when our, my, my twin sons were born a month early, they were in the NICU for a week, and, and they were in there, and they had all them little sensors on, little, little bitty guys, and they had all these wires and sensors and monitors and all that, and my wife would go in and put on the robe and the hat and all that, and, and we'd go in there, and I'd say, hey, buddy, how are you doing? You doing okay? And it, and the monitor would start going, the nurse would come in there, and I said, what I didn't do, I didn't pull no wires or nothing. She said, they know you're the father. They know your voice. And when they hear your voice, they get excited. I thought if that happens on a natural realm, what do you think happens on a spiritual realm? 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. When you hear the Word, your soul knows, that's my Creator, that's my God, that's my Savior. You can't help but get joy, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Woo, hallelujah. Maybe this will help you to understand why Pentecostals run the aisles. Why we shout and worship God. We're not putting on a show. We're not trying to recreate Saturday Night Fever. We're not claiming to be dancing with the stars. We just get excited when we think of his goodness and all he's done for me. My soul cries out, hallelujah. We're not trying to draw attention to ourselves. We just can't keep it to ourselves. He's been so good. I got to tell somebody, it's joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. Something leaps inside of us. It hears the voice of its creator. Just like that baby in the womb jumping when it hears the voice of Mary. It jumps. Whoa. It's the voice of one who is carrying the Messiah. Mm, something happened in the spirit realm. Declaration of his name. Response of the soul. Psalms 43, 4 and 5. Then will I go into the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Isaiah 12, 3. Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall you say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord. For he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitants of Zion. For great is the Holy One of Israel. Psalms 51, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, there's joy that's associated. Sometimes it may even seem a little awkward or uncomfortable. You see a lady that's getting ready to give birth in the natural realm. You think, oh my goodness, it must be hard to even walk. They look so uncomfortable. Awkward. But it's joy. You don't know what all they went through. There may have been miscarriages involved. They may have been praying for five years. You don't know what all's involved. But they know. Getting ready. It's not going to be long. Joy. Joy. Woo! You wonder why people get together and declare the name of Jesus together like they do in this house. Get excited and worship God. With all their might, soul, and strength. Joy, unspeakable joy. It may not always be pretty. It may be awkward. It may be uncomfortable for some folks. But you don't know what people have gone through to get to this point. You don't know the tears. You don't know the prayers. You don't know what all has happened. But here we are. Some of us should have not even been here. Maybe many of you would have been dead. But God was merciful to you. And you're in the house of God. Nobody's going to keep you quiet now. Nobody's going to shame you into sitting on your hand. There's a joy. There's a response. When I think of the goodness of Jesus. My soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. Oh, you ought to stand to your feet and you ought to lift up your voice like a trumpet and shout unto him. Yira la bo kotar 
Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered. She remained standing. She brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her. And they rejoiced with her. It came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise a child. And they called him Zacharias. After the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, not so. But he shall be called John. They said to her, there's none of thy kindred that's called. There's nobody in the family named John. Something's wrong with Elizabeth. She probably hadn't recovered yet from the delivery. She's still a little delirious, got postpartum or something. She's not right. Well, somebody go talk to Zacharias. Zacharias is sitting over in the corner sucking his thumb. He hadn't been able to talk for nine months. They made signs to his father. He asked for a writing table saying his name is John and they all marveled and his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed and he spake and praised God the third step is the liberation of the tongue and when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared in them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave the utterance. It was prophesied in Isaiah. For with staggering lips and another tongue. Will I speak to my people. See my friend whenever that Spirit is birthed in you. Begin to speak out that heavenly language. Words you don't understand. It may sound like baby talk. Mumble jumble. There's a connection in the spirit world. Tongue is loosed. Speak for it. That's why Acts 2 and Acts 10 and Acts 19 talks about they, they spoke in other tongues. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. They heard it. One thing you can hear it in your ears, but there's another way when you hear it with your soul. That's why the Bible says, don't be hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. There's a response that takes place. The declaration of the name. The response when they heard. They that were of the circumcision, which were the Jews, which believed, were astonished as many as came with Peter. Because why were they astonished? Because on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know? Verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any of them be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? See, my friend, speaking in tongues is the overflow of God's Spirit being birthed in your heart. It's the visible manifestation of the birth of the Spirit in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, hundreds of thousands of people all across this great world are receiving the Holy Ghost. 
with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I saw in one service more than 5,000 people receive the Holy Ghost in Bangladesh. Most of them Muslim and Hindu. But as they lifted their hands, after the name of Jesus had been declared, by the thousands they began to speak out in other tongues. Because it is God's will that every single individual not just be born of the flesh, but to be born of the Spirit. Here's what I feel in the Holy Ghost. If you've never spoken other tongues, I want you to step out of where you're standing right now and just come right down to the altar. If you've never spoken other tongues, you believe the declaration of the name has gone forth. There's a response in your soul. But now God wants to give you that third stage, that liberation of the tongue. You've never received that gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I want you to just step out from where you're standing and I want you to come down to this altar because I believe this morning God is going to give you an experience that you'll never, ever forget. Do you believe that? Those of you that have received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I want you to lift your hands right now all over the building. And I wonder if you would just begin to speak out. Just speak it out in tongues. Would you do that? Oh my. That's it. That's the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. That's it. Keep speaking it. There's something powerful in this atmosphere. Come on. You can feel God tugging at you right now. This is the day of salvation, the message said. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, there's that liberation of the tongue. You may not understand everything going on. But there's chains that are being loosed in the spirit world. Come on, there's walls that are coming down in the spirit world. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Mm. Jesus. 
Jesus. At the name of Jesus. 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 That's it. Just declare that name into the atmosphere. Jesus. 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 Those of you that feel God is doing something in your life and you want to respond to it, why don't you step out of where you're standing right now? Let there be a response of your soul. I don't know what every situation you may be facing, but I know that there's an atmosphere that is here right now that if you'll respond, God will do His part. The name has been declared. There's an atmosphere of the supernatural. The Lord has already spoken through tongues and interpretation. If you'll come down to this altar right now, if you'll just lift your hands, and if you'll just begin to worship Him, I believe that right now God will open up doors. Come on, some of you right now, the Lord can renew, renew the joy. Maybe it's been a long time since... You've really just gotten lost in the Spirit. You feel like God is calling you. I think it's important to make some step toward Him. You've got to go, I understand. Thank you for being here. But if you feel something tugging at your heart, calling you. Oh, Jesus. When I think Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. I say, lift your voice. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, bless you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Place my feet, yes. Makes me want to shout. Yes, Lord. We bless your name, Jesus. Lord, you are.